0: Hello my dear listeners, you've once again found your way to counter melody, and I, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, am here to present to you the greatest singers who will illuminate our path with their song, guiding us to a brighter day. Week's episode. Hi again, everybody. I will be publishing two listeners' favorites episodes every week in January. And this week's is a super special one because it's a reposting of one of my very favorite episodes that features, on the occasion of her birthday on January 4th, the Scottish soprano Margaret Marshall. And she is introduced by my dear friend, Elliot Levine. Elliot doesn't really say much about himself, and so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about him. He is a founding member of the Western Wind Vocal Ensemble, with whom he sang bass for 47 years. And I can tell you, based on my own experience that he is also an extraordinary composer. He revised some choral work of his for me for a duet recital that I was doing with fellow countertenor Mark Creighton a number of years ago, and oh my goodness, those were such a joy to sing. Elliot is also the High Holy Day cantorial soloist in Nantucket, and he is the conductor of the L.A. chapter of Hazamir, the International Jewish Teen Choir. And in addition, he is also a valued choral singer and clinician. We are in touch almost every week about the podcast. I have a few people always in my mind who are the listeners of whom I am most thinking when I put these episodes together. And I'm so happy to say that Elliot is one of those listeners. So here's his introduction and commentary on Margaret Marshall. And while we're at it, happy birthday, dear
1: Margaret.
0: Happy birthday
1: to you. It is such a pleasure and honor to participate in Daniel's wonderful podcast. I've known him for such a long time that I can't quite remember how we first came to know each other. We sang together at a festival in Bard College in New York. But our New York circles of musical friends have whirled and intertwined for a long, long time. One of the things I really appreciate and value about this podcast is that Daniel finds these special rare performances of repertoire that is often unfamiliar to me. And even if it is a well-known piece, he has found a rare recording from performance instead some unexpected and exotic place, he continually challenges and delights me and, and enriches my experience as a classical singer and as a listener. When I was growing up, my dad had a very large collection of 78s, besides the LPs that were then current, and I got used to the sound of those old early 20th and mid-20th century recordings and was able to appreciate the older singers, which I think is a great thing for today's singers to experience. Besides the old Caruso and John McCormick and Maggie Tate recordings, he also had all of the Mozart operas on 78s from the Glyndebourne Festival in the late 30s. I do a lot of driving these days, living in Southern California, going to my various singing jobs, and um, these podcasts feel like I'm just hanging out with Daniel, listening to great music. I'd like to highlight episode 68 about Margaret Marshall. This episode was a real revelation to me. I was totally ignorant of this amazing artist's work in opera, oratorio, and leader. She didn't sing a lot in New York, and, and I somehow missed her many first-rate recordings with major orchestras and conductors. The things I admire in her singing are her wide span of repertoire, and being able to fit her voice into the requirements of the different conductors and performing situations. She could slim it down for an early music messiah, as well as singing appropriately in a larger-scale performance of that and much other repertoire. I have watched some of her Cosi Fandute video and admire her charming and lovely stage presence. I always enjoy Daniel's vivid descriptions of singers he admires. The, quote, one of my favorite lists has grown really quite tremendous since he started the podcast. Well, so has mine, thanks to him. Miss Marshall's voice always has a silvery and limpid beauty that I am enchanted by. Her musicianship is spotless. I always relax when I hear her voice. I don't worry about the singer running out of air or making vocal compromises because of technical issues. I just started exploring her delightful website, which Daniel uh, talks about, and its treasures will just bear a lot of further exploration. So sit back and enjoy.
2: Hey, hey.
0: Dear listeners, and welcome to Counter Melody. It is I, your host, Daniel Gundlach, and as always, I'm committed to bringing you the voices of beloved singers often focusing on unexpected facets of their artistry. You'll also be hearing less celebrated, but equally treasurable artists who deserve our attention and respect. I'm honored to have you join me on this ongoing mutual journey of discovery. And now, without any further ado, let's get down to today's business. Great singers and great singing. Hello everyone, and welcome to 2021. I hope you enjoyed the newly streamlined counter-melody intro. I have a very special program for you today. Let's start with two songs by Hugo Wolf that bring us into the new year. Both of them are settings by the poet-slash-pastor Eduard Murke. The first is called Zum neuen Jahr, For the New Year. Just as the cherub secretly and gently alights on the earth with its rosy feet, so dawned the morning. Rejoice, you gentle souls, and, O oh, heart, rejoice as well. This is performed here by Brigitte Fassbender, accompanied by Jean-Yves Thibaudet, in this recording from 1993. have one more song from the miracle of hugo wolf for you today it's called Gibit. i think given the year that we've just been through that it is enormously appropriate lord send whatever you will be it pleasure or pain for i am content that both flow from thy hands But if I might ask you, don't overwhelm me with either joy or suffering. Between the two lies blessed moderation. In this 1968 recording, we hear the great German bass baritone Hans Hotter, accompanied by the pianist Hans Dokupil. Does anyone else hear Someday My Prince Will Come in the introduction to this song? Now, let's turn to the main program for today. I must say there's a delicious convergence between Hans Hotter, who we just heard, and the Scottish soprano, Margaret Marshall. Who is the subject of today's episode, and who, on January 4th, celebrates her 72nd birthday. Last fall, I had a message from... Margaret's Daughter, about the new website that she and her mother have put together called Margaret Marshall Songbird. It is, I must say, a model of its kind. Not only does it have a rare collection of both live and studio recordings from the first years of Margaret Marshall's career, but it also contains wonderful anecdotes and stories by Margaret herself, as well as her thoughts on singing and performing, oratory, opera, and Lieder, as well as her impressions of singing some of the great composers with whom she was most associated, Bach, Händel, Mozart, and Vivaldi. Today we're going to hear examples of all of those composers, as well as a number of others. After her initial vocal studies with the soprano Ina Mitchell, Margaret Marshall received a grant to study abroad. She was encouraged to contact the great bass baritone, Hans Hotter, whom we just heard singing the Hugo-Wolf-Gebiet, and he accepted her as his student. She would go down to Munich and study with him from time to time, and they worked specifically on leader interpretation. At his suggestion, she applied to, and eventually won, the ARD Vocal Competition that was in 1974. From there, her career rapidly gained momentum, and just a few short years later, she was making numerous recordings for Philips records of Vivaldi, Mozart, and Bach. But since we just heard an example of Hans Hotter singing Lieder, I'd like to start with a recording of Margaret Marshall doing a song that is from Alban Berg's collection of sieben frühe Lieder. This is the second song called Schilflied. Last week I played you a recording of Cheryl Milnes singing a song called Aufgeheimen Waldespfade set by Charles Tomlinson Griffiths. This is a setting of the same poem that Griffiths set, and here Margaret Marshall is accompanied by Geoffrey Parsons in this 1985 recording. Margaret Marshall's first studio recording was made with Rudolf Everhardt and Die Deutsche Bach Solisten in July of 1976. On her website, Margaret tells the story of how this recording came to be made. This was an edition of a Baldassare Gallupi cantata for solo soprano and Rudolf Everhardt prepared the edition and Margaret Marshall made the first recording and gave the first modern-day performances of that piece called Rapida Cerva. This is the Alleluia that concludes that motet. Let's just discuss some of the virtues of this voice. First of all, the most beautiful vocal color. The basic vocal quality is of such beauty that it is sheer delight to listen to. In addition to that, she has firm technical grounding, which she credits to her vocal study with Ina Mitchell. is, as I will remark repeatedly over the course of this episode, a profound musical intelligence at work. She brings out hidden facets of the music that a lesser artist might overlook or miss. And there is a joy in singing, which you will hear in every single excerpt that I offer to you today. The next thing that we're going to hear is, again, a very early recording of hers. This is from Bach's cantata number 31, Der Himmel lacht, die Erde jubiliert. It's for the first Sunday of Easter. The rest of the cantata is mostly just joyous effusiveness, but in this aria, the soprano invokes the body of the resurrected Christ to be a beacon before her as her last hour approaches. She sings in a gorgeous duet with the oboe. On her website, Margaret describes how, when she would sing these obbligato arias, how she would try to emulate the timbre of the accompanying instrument, in this case the oboe. This recording was made with Hans Tam and the Collegium Musicum des WDR in 1975. It therefore predates her first studio recording. of Margaret Marshall's earliest international recordings was a series devoted to the sacred music of Antonio Vivaldi. Vittorio Negri, the overseer of the project, engaged her and she sings in the majority of the soprano solos. I'm going to offer you two things from the Vivaldi series. The first is from the Introduzione al Dixit. This is a motet that was written for a soprano solo to precede the performance of the Dixit Dominus of which we are going to hear an excerpt following this movement. This is called Canta in Prato, and it refers to the nightingale singing in the meadow, laughing in the fountain. I simply adore the ease with which Margaret Marshall tosses off the staccati here. You also hear the way that she sings with great ease, flexibility, and lightness, and yet with her full body. These are exactly the things that I listen for when I'm listening to this kind of music. And quite frankly, I think I've gone on the record before as saying that I'm not a big Vivaldi fan, but man, if I heard Vivaldi sung like this all the time, I'd be willing to change my tune. follows a movement from the Dixie Dominus, a setting of Psalm 110. This is the aria De Torrente in Via. He shall drink of the brook in the path, then he shall lift up his head. Vivaldi is capable of writing music of such exceeding beauty, and this is one of the most beautiful movements that I've ever heard. I can't really imagine it sung with greater skill and musicianship than Margaret Marshall exhibits here. Handel himself also composed an elaborate setting of the Dixit Dominus, and from that we're going to hear a movement for two sopranos of the same text, De Torrente in Via. This recording is from 1978, and it's the Monteverdi Orchestra and Choir conducted by John Elliot Gardner. Margaret Marshall is joined here by Felicity Palmer, who at the time was still singing soprano. Eventually, she became a mezzo soprano of the highest regard. But before that, she had a substantial and very successful career as a soprano. Here, the two voices are wonderfully matched. What we're hearing here is a completely vibrato-free performance. Those of you who know my taste know that this is not normally the kind of singing that I enjoy. But what's interesting about this, this is from 1978. This is the early days of the so-called period performance movement. You hear voices singing without vibrato, but you also still hear the basic timbre and quality of the sound, as well as a technique that is grounded in the body. I think both of these sopranos demonstrate that, and it's wonderful the way that the vibrato, free singing, really highlights those suspensions. I remember listening to this very recording with my friend Patty. We would delight in the rub of the suspensions and the resolution. One of Margaret Marshall's most famous recordings is that of Messiah, which she also did with John Elliot Gardner but she could just as easily participate in performances with non-period instruments and more substantial orchestral forces and hold her own. Here's a performance of How Beautiful Are the Feet from Messiah. Not from that Gardner recording, but this is with Zubin Mehta conducting the Berlin Philharmonic in December 1981. There's so much color in the voice and I really delight in the ease with which She trills, and it's interesting to compare a performance in which she uses more vibrato to the one that we just heard. Margaret Marshall participated in an enormous number of recordings of Handel and Mozart, particularly from the late 70s through the early 90s. Here's a recording of Saul in which Philip Ledger leads the English Chamber Orchestra. This is from 1981. It's the very brief but extremely gorgeous aria, A Lovely Youth. is close to my heart. I had probably the biggest success of my career singing this piece in Stuttgart under the German conductor Helmut Rilling. I was deeply moved by the relationship between David and Jonathan. When my character David sings his lament for his dearly beloved Jonathan, backed by the entire chorus, I had one of those peak performing moments that one never forgets. Now we're going to turn to some Mozart. I am of the opinion that Margaret Marshall very much falls in line with that tradition of great Mozart singers, singers like Lisa della Casa or particularly Gundula Janovitz. I was surprised as I was listening to Margaret's recordings this week to hear how much Cambral similarity I hear between her voice and Janowitz's, in the way that uh, vibrato is applied, for instance. Also in the phrasing. People sometimes, I think, forget what a great Bach singer Janowitz was, and this is simply another similarity between the two singers. We're going to start with a 1987 recording of Exultate Jubilate with Neville Mariner conducting the Radio Symphony Orchestra Stuttgart. It's a very brisk tempo, but I don't think it's too fast because the music is still allowed to unfold in a way that one can process what's actually going on. I take enormous delight not only in the ease with which the coloratura is dispensed, but Again, I know I keep bringing this point up, but there's a profound musical intelligence at work. It's a real joy to hear a performance on this level. I think it's one of the very best performances of the Exultate that I've ever heard. So here's the first movement of the Beloved Motet. And
2: we be
0: Now I have a live performance of one of the concert arias, Non temer amato bene. This is Kirchel 490, and there's a beautiful violin obbligato here. Ralph Weikert is conducting the Mozarteum Orchestra Salzburg in this live 1983 recording. Here's another studio recording with Philip Ledger and the English Chamber Orchestra. This is from an album of Bach cantatas. The aria here is called Jesu Deine Gnadenblicke and it's from the Ascension Oratorio BWV11. Jesus, even though you are gone, raised up into heaven, I can still see your merciful gaze and your love remains behind so that I can refresh myself spiritually, imagining the day when once more we will stand before you. In the last piece, we heard a violin obbligato, and here we hear a wonderful trio between solo flute, solo oboe, and the soprano voice. It is exquisite. Here's one of my favorite recordings that I'm presenting to you today, that is of Mozart's exquisite Et Incarnatus Est from the Great C Minor Mass. This was the very first recording of Margaret Marshall's that I ever purchased. It was released in 1979, and I would say I got it right around that time. Again, Neville Mariner is conducting. This is the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields. In this beautiful aria, we hear the one- wonderful interplay with various wind instruments. So far, we haven't heard any opera, and indeed, when Margaret Marshall began her career, she was doing primarily oratorio and some lieder. and she tells on her website about the differences between singing opera and oratorio, and how she was always drawn to concert music, but that when she stuck her toe in the operatic repertoire, that it was a very congenial undertaking for her. The first opera role that she ever sang was Euridice in Gluck's Orfeo ed Euridice. This is a 1981 studio recording of Euridice's aria from the third act, Che Fiero Momento, and Riccardo Muti is conducting the film Harmonia Orchestra. Another one of Margaret Marshall's most famous recordings and operatic assumptions is that of Fiordiligi in Mozart's Così fan tutte. There was a live recording that was released with, again, Riccardo Muti conducting. It was of the 1982 production in Salzburg by Michael Hampe. Margaret Marshall sings Fior di Ligi. On that recording, Agnes Balza is the Dorabella. Bella, Kathy Battle is the Despina, Francisco Araiza, whom we heard last fall when he celebrated his 70th birthday, he is the Ferrando, James Morris is the Guglielmo, and José Van Damme is the Don Alfonso. The following year, a video was produced of that same production with a few slight cast changes. The Irish mezzo-soprano anne Murray sang Dorabella, and... The distinguished Italian baritone Sesto Bruscantini was the Don Alfonso. On the Songbird website, Margaret Marshall talks about what a good friend and colleague Anne Murray has been to her throughout the years, since they first recorded Vivaldi together under Vittorio Negri in the late 70s. I'm happy to say that this video of Cosi is readily available, and it's wonderful to see these two women portraying. Sisters and revealing so much of the different character of these two women. I'm going to play Soave si al vento for you from that video performance. So, this is with Margaret Marshall as di and Murray as Dorabella, Cesco Bruscantini as Don Alfonso, and Riccardo Muti conducting the Vienna Philharmonic. This is one of the most beautiful blends between the two sisters that I've ever heard on any recording. It's not just that the voices go so well together, but there's also a unity in musical gesture that is a rare and wondrous thing to hear. Now I'm going to present one more excerpt from that 1983 Cozy video from the Salzburg Festival. This is from the duet between Ferrando and Fior di As I mentioned, Ferrando is sung by Francisco Araiza. It's clear when one listens to this how compatible these two characters are, Ferrando and Fior They both feel things much more deeply than do either of their counterparts, Doravella or Guglielmo. You hear this at various points in the duet, both the attraction and the attempt to resist and finally no longer able to restrain themselves, they give voice to their deep mutual attraction. It's a beautiful performance. again to Oratorio. I'm going to offer you a very, very brief excerpt from the first of Margaret Marshall's two superb recordings of the Pergolesi Stabat Mater. Here she is joined in the final Amen of the piece by the magnificent contralto Alfreda Hodgson, and Günther Kehr conducts the Mainzer Kammer Orchestra in this 1978 recording. This was another early recording of Margaret Marshall's that was in my personal collection, and I have always found it to be one of the most satisfying, if not the most satisfying, performances of this peace. Here's the spot in the podcast where I take a little pause and thank you all for your support. I've had a number of new supporters come to me this week, and I'm very grateful for you and for those of you who are already providing monthly support to me via Patreon. For those of you who are interested in this possibility, please go to patreon.com countermelody where you can provide monthly support for anywhere from $2 on up. And for all of my supporters, I give the gift of my bonus episodes which I post every three weeks or so. The most recent ones are two bonus Christmas episodes it's still the 12 days of Christmas, folks, so feel free to uh, sign up on Patreon and partake of those two special episodes that I gave you, as well as other special ones that I did. Let's see, I did one on Iliana Kotrubash, I did one on Renata Scotto, I did a second one on Margaret Price, I did a whole bunch. They're all waiting for you, and may you delight in listening to them. And now let's return to the regular program. We've just been listening to the first movement of Gerald Finzi's Dies Natalis. This is a 1979 performance with Günther Kea again conducting the Mainzer Kammer Orchestra. And now we're going to hear the movement called Wonder. Once again, Margaret Marshall is going to sing for us. Dies Natalis is a five-movement cantata that was completed in 1939 by the English composer Gerald Finzi. Normally, the cycle is sung by tenors, but the very first recording was made by the distinguished British soprano Joan Cross, who was also the original Ellen Orford in Peter Grimes. The texts set are by the English poet Thomas Traherne. This cantata concerns itself with the experience of a newborn. And here's the text of the movement called Wonder. How like an angel came I down. How bright are all things here! When first among his works I did appear, Oh, how their glory me did crown! And native health and innocence within my bones did grow. And while my God did all his glories show, I felt a vigor in my sense that was all spirit. I within did flow with seas of life, like wine. I nothing in the world did know, but twas divine. I know I had mentioned at the beginning of the episode about Margaret Marshall's new website, and I must tell you that if you want to hear the rest of this exquisite piece, please go to margaretmarshallsongbird.com and you can hear that and many other gorgeous selections that I'm not featuring today because I don't want to scoop Margaret on her own material. So please give a visit to margaretmarshallsongbird.com. Now we're going to hear Margaret Marshall in yet another masterpiece of British music, that is Edward Elgar's The Light of Life. Here she sings the very dramatic movement, Woe to the Shepherds of the Flock. She's accompanied here by the Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra and Choir, led by the great conductor Charles Groves. I'm going to play two of my very favorite Margaret Marshall recordings. Both are music of Joseph Haydn. The first is the Aria of Balkis. From the opera L'incontro improvviso ad acquistar già volo. There's so much line in her voice, whether she's singing legato or tossing off coloratura, and I think she's at her absolute peak here in this 1980 recording, led by Antal Dorati and the Orchestre de Chambre de Lausanne. Dorati did an entire series of Haydn operas, which have yet to be topped. now my favorite aria from Haydn's creation, Die Schöpfung. This was recorded in German with Raphael Kubelik conducting the Symphony Orchester des Bayerischen Rundfunks. This is the aria, Nun beut die Flur. This oratorio, like Mendelssohn's Elijah, is equally viable in either German or English. Here's the English text to the aria. With verdure clad, the fields appear delighted to the ravished sense By flowers sweet and gay, and hence it is the charming sight. To me, this performance shows Margaret Marshall at her peak. The top absolutely blooms, just like the flowers that she's described. Sings the choratura very much on her breath, and again, the musical sensibility is so profound and deeply moving. so took on some more dramatic parts. This is a recording from Salieri's Le Danaide. It's a setting of a very gruesome libretto that was originally offered to Gluck. Gluck was at the end of his life and was unable to do the composition, so he gave it to Salieri. Originally, the music was passed off as Gluck's own, but eventually, with the success of the piece, Gluck revealed that it was indeed Salieri who was the composer of the entire work. As I say, it's a gruesome story, a king with 50 daughters commands all of them who are about to be married to his cousin's sons that on their wedding night they each and every one must slaughter her husband. He's trying to avoid a prophecy that predicts that he will die by the hand of one of his nephews. He also is seeking vengeance on the cousin who provided him with a great deal of hardship and imprisonment. One of his daughters, the character hypermenestre refuses to kill her husband, and in this scene. Which ends the second act. She's calling to the heavens to end her misery and deliver her from an impossible situation. In this recording, which originated in Stuttgart in 1990, the conductor Gianluigi Gelmetti leads the Radio Symphony Orchestra Stuttgart. As we began the episode with Lieder, so we're going to end with three beautiful examples. This is an early setting of Alban Berg's. In his student days, Alban Berg wrote over 80 songs, most of which were suppressed. Finally, in 1928, he allowed the publication of seven of those, and those are called the Sieben Frühe Lieder, which he subsequently orchestrated. We heard the piano version of the second song, Schilflied, at the beginning of the episode. This song, called An Leukon, was from the same period, written in 1908. It was provided by Berg's widow, Helene, to Willy Reich, a pupil of Berg, who was writing a book about him in 1937. She gave him the rights to publish this single song. Since then, we've seen a number of the other songs be released, but at the time this recording was made in 1985, I do believe it was the only other of Berg's early songs which had been published up until that time. It's very much a gather ye rosebuds while ye may text, Take advantage of your youth. Give in to your desires. Berg also published two different settings of the Theodor Storm poem, Schließe mir die Augen beide. The first was composed in 1900. It's very much using the post-romantic musical idiom that one encounters in the seven early songs. But in 1925... Berg returned to the text and provided it with a setting in the 12-tone idiom. Here's a partial translation of the text. Close both my eyes with your dear hands, under which all of my suffering goes to rest. Final lead that we're going to hear is a live recording from the Wigmore Hall in 1976. Margaret Marshall shows once again the lessons in leader singing that had been imparted to her by her teacher Hans Hotar. The accompanist here is John Fraser, who many years later encouraged Margaret to release the recordings that can be heard on Margaret Marshall Songbird. You
2: are Du das Herz, es glänzt ihm am Finger.
0: It has been such a joy these past 10 days to revisit and reacquaint myself with the work of this supremely gifted artist. There is always intention behind her singing, whether long legato lines or, as we're about to hear, effervescent coratura. This is the Alleluia from the Exultate Jubilate. I think it's a wonderful way to see you off. Dear Margaret Marshall, thank you for your input, guidance, and advice on the selection of the repertoire that I've provided my listeners today. Happy, happy birthday, and many happy returns. special treat up my sleeves for you. You'll have to tune in then and see just what it is. Once again my dear friends, keep this song in your hearts, I'm Daniel Gundlach.